software development has become so complex these days with so many teams involved to launch a significant product that you have to establish the conditions in the environment in order for Agile or for Scrum to work. So the team can do everything that uh, the manifesto says or Scrum says, but if the conditions are not right and you have... um, you know, a lot of old technology that you have to work with uh, in terms of systems you have to support and integrate with, and the organization isn't structured the right way, then a lot of the ideas in the manifesto are uh, pretty much... May not materialize. Yeah, they're guaranteed to fail. Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this episode, Santosh gives us a debriefing on the Agile Alliance conference he attended in Orlando in 2023. Hi, Santosh. How are you? Very good, Steve. How are you? Very good, thank you. As we discussed before uh, sitting down to record this, um, I know that in July you went to an um, Agile conference in Orlando and uh, thought that we could talk about that. Does yeah, that sound, yeah, sound absolutely. good? It was Ask Agile Alliance. Um, I went to uh, Agile Alliance uh, 2022, and this was 2023. 2022 was in uh, uh, Nashville, and this time uh, in July, it was in Orlando. <laughs> nice and warm. Uh, hot. But hot actually, and that's, sticky. that's a great segue because I wanted to ask you, I've heard that attendance at some of these conferences has diminished. Was that your yes. experience as well? Very much so. Very much. You could see, you could feel the difference. Um, even, even the, you know, I mean, the very first day. I mean, I went there Sunday evening and pre-registration usually because that way I can. I, I was generally what I do is I go there. So the usual friends and acquaintances, I, I'll get to see them ahead of time, and we decide you know what to do and all that. And even there, there are very few people at the pre-registration. So I thought maybe tomorrow will be crazy and all that. So I. Went in early. No, it was like people just walking through, getting registered. Even the first keynote, I'm like, what happened? This even the hall was smaller. So usually you're, you know, you're used to see five thousand people and uh, standing room only for the uh, opening keynote and all. Nope. You have any uh, theories why that might be the case? Well, I think my my thinking was that um there are too many conferences and it I was see. getting fragmented because people were, were even this one. They had um, one, I think, in Amsterdam. They were televising that. So it was like together. So people didn't. And I think that was the other part was travel was another challenge. Uh, so people were not, you know, people from all over the world were not there. They're, they were there, but not as as much as they usually are. Right, uh, right. So it, it was interesting. But I asked some of those, they're like, why this? And they said, well, we distributed. Some are going to safe i think there was around the same time uh, there was one in colorado um, uh, or maybe week here and there so people uh, also distributed themselves uh, and yeah there was 
markedly less. Uh, but that what what happened was then um, the vendors and presenters were also very unique or different. So you know we we generally have certain people, certain type of people, very well known, and they they showing up there. They were only thirty percent of them were like Melissa Perry. She was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Gallon, he was there. Who uh, who were the keynote speakers? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. It's been a while <laughs> that I. But I I think the the one that I remembered on the first day, the uh, on Monday, uh, Anne Marie Charette, uh, she had agile up your leadership game, and I thought that was very powerful. So the kind of things she. Uh, so see, my <laughs> attitude about all this is that even if I get two or three new ideas on one day, I feel. Yes, I got uh, the money's worth <laughs> because what I, and and that that was one of the ones that that really you know she she had some real good thoughts about um, agility. I think it has it's been twenty years now from the you know the Scrum dot org just published a new Scrum guide uh, last year uh, revision the first revision after twenty years so it's no longer just a something that is upcoming up and coming you know it's established so it's now the uh, agility is playing in a different role a different arena so the leadership does make a difference and some of the things she she mentioned in her um, opening things were, were like wow i didn't i didn't I was not thinking on those lines, kind of. So it was. Can you be uh, a little bit more specific? I'm really curious. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was just going to pull some of the thoughts that I had pulled together, or at least the ones that uh, made me think twice. And I was like, ah, this is interesting. We need to talk about this. So let me pull this up because uh, she did not uh, share her uh, deck, but I was writing things very feverishly. And one of the things that is coming back to is what is the human-centric design? Because, you know, we started with software and now it is coming around the whole thing that is, it's all about humans. It is all about how we build agility around the human and you know, the scope of that as to every member of the team needs to think about what is the human aspect of even the technology, uh, the, the, the support engineers, they need to understand what impact on the human side of things that is going to happen. So it's a very interesting thought process. Uh, like they, they also say, they, you know, oh, this is, there is a fatigue uh, around all this. It's like people are saying, Ah, uh, we are f- fatigued by disruption, constantly <laughs> creating. Can we get to the end, please? <laughs> so that was some of the th- thought process that that came through. I'm like, yeah, it does feel that way. That you know, we are trying to rush constantly and keep on changing, and then are we getting to the end state? But one of the things that she mentioned was really impactful she's like you know uh, growth happens when you are doing things that are not known the known things will not let you grow the things that are not known or unknown things will let you grow so as soon as you see something that is unknown you have to back yourself and say that i want to get that i want to and that's where the confidence is getting built so i thought that was a very you know thought-provoking thing is to every time I, i remember you know a few episodes back or something that we had talked about as to when the product design is going on, people always think, oh, we need to have this new idea. So one of the, uh, I guess, uh, 
VPs or a product leader just said, you know, hey, we are always trying to build a uh, expressway or a, uh, you know, synchronized lights and all that. But what we need is actually a helicopter taking your point, <laughs> your point B. Because if you build the highway, the problem still are the same. You're on the ground. You need this helicopter idea. And that is what is going to change and disrupt or change that. So what is your helicopter? Something similar to that. What is unknown there? And how will you build that? And how will you take that? You know, so then that's so I, I thought that was very, very interesting from that point of view. And then you know the the one of the other things um, uh, she was also mentioning is that you know she she uh, completely changed the perspective of a manifesto and how does that manifesto changes meaning to the human centric so for example you know individuals versus interaction uh, and interactions like that means we have to create the space for the people that's what that individual interaction starts so you know constantly nurture and advocate and coach people so that is what that first uh, uh part is the second part that she was talking about the working software was software is just the media now if you look at the broader side of things it's you know, coach people to be leader so that's the kind of the next level the software is a product and how people can become uh, become part of the leads and leaders and focus on the leadership skill instead of um, being a leader and then focus on the confidence and ability so that is like the working software working entity you know that she changed that to that i was like hmm never thought of it in that uh, way the, the customer um, uh, collaboration so it's like how do you lay, take a look at if the collaboration is there that means we are handling the change so how do you manage the change is where the collaboration is needed so it's a kind of a different take on the same manifesto and then uh, she was also talking about um, you know, the responding to change. Well, if we are responding to change, the, the, the fourth one, you know, that, that means you need an authentic leadership. So it's all about human interaction. How will you become an authentic uh, leader? And unless we are authentic to ourselves, you cannot become a true leader. And then you cannot, otherwise you cannot respond to the change because the authenticity has to come through. Yeah, so that's it's, a, it's very, a very different perspective on the manifesto. Yeah. Yeah, really. And I you know it, it changed the mindset in my mind. But like, yeah, you know, now because we are going away from the software centric to a larger organization centric and the scale, you know, larger, every aspect of an org any organization, then it really comes out to the how the leadership work, how does the relationships work, how does a human factor comes in and where does that whole thing fits in? So I, I, I was totally, you know, the very first day I'm like, I'm done. I don't <laughs> need to be <laughs> so, But yeah, it, it was it was great that she had that first uh, opening uh, keynote. So she set the stage, really. I heard and, recently, though, that um, the truth of the matter is that the people who uh, wrote the manifesto were all extremely skilled software professionals. Mm -hmm. And they were really focused on addressing issues that when you look at the manifesto you can sort of understand why that it's sort of one team it's a very constrained environment but software development has become so complex these days with so many teams involved to launch a significant product 
that right. you have to establish the conditions in the environment in order for Agile or for Scrum to work. So the team can do everything that uh, the manifesto says or Scrum says, but if the conditions are not right and you have... Um, you know, a lot of old technology that you have to work with uh, yeah. in terms of systems you have to support and integrate with, and the organization isn't structured like the right way, then a lot of the ideas in the manifesto are uh, pretty much... May not materialize. Yeah, they're guaranteed to fail, so... Well, the other, other part is when of, it happens, you know, it, it becomes people go through the motions. Yes, and, exactly. And, you know, the not not the intent behind it. So I think that's what... The other part she was saying is, you know, you're looking at those words and taking it literally. And then you just put your blinders on. Oh, so then, you know, all those, oh, I don't need documentation. That means, oh, no, <laughs> we need a documentation. Oh, we don't need any plan. No, we need, unless you have a plan, <laughs> things are not good. So it's a different take on all this. And then I think once you start expanding as to how these complexities are going to be handled, then yeah, it really comes out. Exactly. Know, that's where the human element of leadership really come into play to, to foster yeah, the right know, environment. There was a, a somebody, I don't know who has that at a, what stage they, they had mentioned this because there was a, a track for diversity and which is, you know, which was like, okay, agile diversity. I was never thinking about that as to that as an issue, but Somebody brought that up saying that the Agile Manifesto contributors are only men. There were no <laughs> women. Forget about the other side. But um, so there was some debate about that as to how come no women uh, were even invited or nobody, no women went there. I'm like, is, is, has that changed the uh, direction of uh, Manifesto that it, it was men centric? <laughs> But um, so that was a, that was pretty interesting. Inter very interesting. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought, you know, maybe we should look at that. And uh, but because what we are seeing in the, well, I guess most of our organizations, there are you know, the the mix, men and women are almost fifty fifty, or sometimes even more women are there <laughs> than men. So, right. Uh, I guess that. How do you actually uh, implement that and? use that uh, i think has has been adopted uh, over the year into uh taking the both the uh, approaches from you know how the product gets uh, uh, decomposed and built based on the uh, who is part of the uh, the team i guess but yeah I, I didn't think in those terms that agile principles and manifesto would be geared towards a men's mentality so uh, we have to take a look at that. <laughs> but that was pretty, pretty interesting. The other one that was really, really interesting were two of them, actually. Uh, one was uh, the storytelling through the product lens from Stuart Young. He's a phenomenal guy. You know, it's, it's about how do we start telling the story and how does agility bring the story together? We have the um, story mapping I mean, he, he incorporated all that together, but that aspect of how, what type of storytellings are there, you know, depending upon type of personal or personas are there, the different story uh, kind of things start showing up. And I was like, huh, I never thought of it. And then I started looking at it from what type of product you are building. And that can decide, you know, what the, it's like a, there is a strategic part to a story. There is a visionary part to a story. There's an implementer part to a story and a, a tactical part to a story. And then you can start 
you know, building their things out, uh, depending upon who you are, who, you know, some people are visual storytelling, um, create these, you know, animated pictorial kind of right. Stories. And uh, some they're like creative storyboarding, then, you know, so depending upon uh, you know, who the audience is and who is the participant on you know, their uh, creative side of it. So it was interesting from, because now if we are asking people to start moving things, you know, like a, combined uh, development and stuff like that so that not just the UX designer but then the, the developers and the product owner everybody sits together to come up with this story then you have to think about oh how come this the creative guys will think differently than the implementer oh, this the is, yeah yeah this is actually very appropriate it's one of the things I've been wrestling with recently and uh, I was uh, trying to introduce uh, story mapping in my organization. Mm -hmm. And I did a sort of workshop with one team mm -hmm. and um, it was super effective. And we had engineers there as well as product and UX people, but there's there's been a lot of pushback that it's not the best use of engineers time to be in those sessions, which I really disagree with, but that was the outcome. So we will keep doing story mapping, but it's going to be more at the early phases of a project between product management, user experience, user research, right. and any stakeholders we can get hold of. And yeah. then, well, um, funny you should mention that. It's because we are doing a, something very similar, but in a compressed manner, so that this whole uh, storytelling and storyboarding with everyone together. But what we have trying to do is what we call it as a continuous discovery. So the scale and the scope is much more limited. And every two sprints, we actually get a direct feedback from the end user. And then we start building on the top. So now the developers or the product, they now know why they are there because they are actually going to start building the build one, build two, build three. Mm, very and nice. then that creates a uh, foundation for the, and then it's, it's almost like that's where they come to thinking of what is the minimum marketable feature will look like and how that expands to one, two, three, and rinse and repeat beyond that. And now they're actually seeing it. It's like, oh, this is the reason why I need to be in the early part of this, you know, combined development or combined design concept. So it's it's it is they 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 now realize this too. Hmm, this is what it means by failing early, failing or you know continuous feedback loops and all those kind of things. So once they put their hands on, they they were like, we have never seen this kind of thing done within a month. <laughs> Two oh, prototypes actually went out. I mean, you cannot beat it as far as uh, shared understanding is concerned oh I mean, it's the the best way and Absolutely. Uh, the other thing is uh, when there's a, a ui involved getting wireframes done immediately mm -hmm. after story mapping that's that really helps convey the whole idea to the developers of what they need to build yeah 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 so i mean that's the other other part also he was mentioning as to you know what does the product ownership model looks like in this whole story mapping or story building is because there are com you know, different components of it. There is a product management, project management, there is a leadership and business analysts and those kind of compartmental, but then shared understanding, all those four comes together because and yes. every part has to have all those four and they, they contribute to that. And that's how the whole thing is. Instead of linear going through, it becomes in a concentric. 
or the same environment. So it changes the perspective as to, oh, we never thought of it, you know, what how the sausage was made. <laughs> so it, 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 there were people who were, at least I, I was like, wow, this is really, so I have one of that also, that uh, that was pretty uh, interesting. And I think that, that was happening on the first day. <laughs> you know, I was wow. like, wow. Ah, this is intense. I never <laughs> thought that on the first day. Because <laughs> I, I was going to go to Disney parks in the evening. I'm like, no, nah, I'm too exhausted. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm curious what other takeaways so, you had. And in yeah. particular, uh, what you think you can apply sooner rather than later? Well, this for sure. I mean, this is definitely uh, was one thing that, that uh, came to mind. But, you know, one of the other things, um, you know, our, our dear friend, Tom Perry, he had a really interesting concept of something called as a agile thermodynamic, thermodynamics of a system. Oh, my, he, my favorite subject at university. Yes. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he had a very good um, twist to it. And some of the things that he brought uh, to uh, present there, I mean, I I have to go and uh, dig his uh, thing out. But man, he he did an amazing job of, you know, just to give you an idea, one of the things that he looked at, the thermodynamics is basically, you know, how uh, physical systems work and how sequentially things happen, even in thermodynamic world, you know, from the engineering aspect of it. But he, there was one experiment that he showed that apparently has been conducted over thousands of times. Just a simple thing about if you have a dog, if you have a dog uh, and you're uh, throwing a ball to a dog, but you are the only difference is you are on a beach and you throw the ball into the ocean. The dog will not directly go into water and start chasing the ball. He will first run parallel to the waves on the uh, in the sand. And then at a diagonal, he will go and uh, uh, get the ball. And what they found out is intuitively the time that is spent on the ground running parallel and the time they spend in the water chasing the ball is exactly the same and it oh. they did it in so many different ways and that you know the dogs figure it out that's interesting to, yeah and i was like really the, the whole thing so what he was saying about all this is the uh, you know the larger aspect where you're running fast and getting things done that time that could be your project or your, your product that you spend and see how much time you're spending on that part and then how much you're spending on the tactical part where you go in the water to get there to get the things done and if that is balanced you'll get the most optimal results i was like wow this is phenomenal so sorry, what's what's the equivalent of running on the sand, and what's the in running the water on the sand part? is is where you have larger, like for example, you have a huge product, like a you know a complex product. You have to break it down at a much more faster layer first, you know, break it down to the smaller components there. So the amount of time you spend breaking it down, and then actual developing that smaller component where you can actually deliver that. You have to think as to how much time are you spending on each of these phases. If you're spending too much time on either of those, you are the balance is off. So whenever you are designing a product or suppose you are designing a, a car, you know, if you start 
creating all these different things and then just then just oh, build something and put it on the street. That's where the problem. So you know you have to balance those concept versus tactical. On the same level, you'll get a better versions every time you go through. The second time you go through, you do the same thing. And I, I thought, well, interesting. I, yeah. So I thought that was pretty, uh, you know, uh, thought provoking. <laughs> they reminded me of uh, one thing, which it's not exactly what you were saying, but there was um, a project I worked on with another consultant once, and we were actually building an application. And as soon as I had an idea of what the requirements were, I started writing code. Mm -hmm. And this other guy was just talking and talking and talking and talking, and it was getting close to the deadline, and he hadn't even started writing any code. <laughs> but he did actually finish on time. Mm. And... Um, I, you know, I could argue that maybe his approach was more like waterfall that was, uh, in a way, doing a lot of planning, or at least trying to understand the requirements before implementing. And what I was doing was more uh, iterative, because I started early, and then I could show a prototype. But his work was also pretty, uh, I mean, it was on time, and he achieved what he had to achieve, and he solved the right problem and all of that. But it was just two different styles of getting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, we we going about. There was another one session which was very interesting. I I actually ran an experiment with my teams uh, where I am right now. You know, one of the things what they did was um, I forget the topic that they had uh, selected. This was like you know one whole room, and randomly the organizers split the room into three groups, and they gave twenty minutes total 20 or maybe 30 minutes. Um, the topic was given as to, hey, um, small, for example, small agile teams versus large agile. And one group had to say, what is the advantage of having the small agile? The other group had to say, no, the large agile teams are better. Or what are the advantages of that? And then they were supposed to present their part and the other team would question. And then the second one. And then there was the third group, which was just observing and seeing whether, you know, they are convinced one way or the other. Or pretty powerful. You know, people were randomly put in there. So, you know, even though they did not support that idea, they had to come up with the person. And, you know, some of the, the concepts that were put forth I never even thought of it that the smaller teams would think about it in that way. Or the largest team would be, you know, just say, oh, no, 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 no larger teams. So all the things that that really need that. And you know, so it was so what I did was uh I did the same thing at my work, uh, because we have weekly um uh, agile coaches hour and we invite everyone, uh, including uh the team members and all. And I divided them into two groups and said small stories, user stories versus larger user stories. And they had to, you know, put advantages and said, man, people who were like, they said, this is the one of the best hours that we learn as to what are the so I, I thought that was a, a really a good way of thinking outside the box. And even yeah. if the ones that you don't like, that's subject to an yeah, I I absolutely love this. And I can, I mean, I can imagine applying this even when there's some kind of a debate over the, the technical architecture or anything. Exactly. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I, I thought that that went really well. That was. I'll uh, be trying that. Yeah. yeah. Quite soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, everyone, including our senior managers, management team, and everyone was jumping into that. 
that whole thing so it was very interesting the different aspects came into picture and uh, i thought yeah that's genius yeah <laughs> so that was one really amazing uh things uh, there were other ones but i think those those were like a four Uh, really that stood out i thought maybe i should mention that um we could yeah, do it next you. time also but i think we we covered a lot of a uh, lot of time in here but yeah I, that's awesome so you're planning to go to any future conferences but well, that is my goal that at least one conference a year i have to go because you know not in these sessions i think i learned a lot more with people i was sitting you know one of the things i'll just give you there was one lady that was sitting with me and she was ex marine and and she was she had been to afghanistan and all that anyway she she was at four two uh, as a marine and when she first she was getting into the agility and all that kind of thing so she's like you know what this is what we used to do when we were in marines i'm like Huh? I thought the Marines is completely command and control. It's like when they ask you jump, you just ask how high. That's about it. You don't have any other choice. Like no, 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 no. You don't realize that. They say yes, you jump, and then they let you lose, and you decide where to jump. And you know they they will. You are really empowered to do that. This is what we used to. This is what we. I'm like you know. I want to invite her to our podcast. Well, that would be great. But yeah, I, yeah, I've heard the same thing that it's more about explaining the intent, the what and the why, but not the how, because the people true. who are doing the planning don't really have all the local information about the conditions and all the unexpected things that happen. Yeah, is that is that the the, the turn the ship around? Yeah, yeah that correct. was exactly the behind. Yes, David Marquette. Yeah, yeah. So. she's like this is what we used to do so i said tell me more tell me more <laughs> so so the, uh, what i'm saying is uh, those are the kinds of things you learn uh, outside of the lectures and things like that so yeah i i, I definitely want to go you know you make more friends and uh, see something different aspect of uh, how they use it or how they don't use it uh, that kind of thing so great yeah. well, how about you, you for are sharing you, are you thinking of going anywhere Um, I haven't planned going to conferences. I still uh, <laughs> love to attend meetups when I can, and I'm a really avid reader of books about agile and psychology and so on. But uh, yeah, not, not conferences so much. I mean, I do. Oh, no. I've in the past when I've been, I have enjoyed them very much, but. Yeah. sort of for, for various reasons it hasn't been practical for the last few years to go so Sorry. i have not yeah well if you come across any interesting books maybe next time you we can uh, touch base on uh, anything interesting that you might have uh, yeah definitely so we could happy to do that one of the next and in the meantime i'll try to solicit some of these uh, completely different point of views and see what they have sounds good well thank you santosh All right well as Thanks. as always have this has been always fun and let's do this once a month so that we'll get because a lot of people have said hey welcome back now keep it up <laughs> so we'll we try our best all right exactly. thanks everyone thank you bye bye